Just a quick warning that we're going to be talking about death and dying and existentialism and falling and vaguely about religion uh, and some heavy themes like that. So if you're not in the right headspace for that, maybe just skip this episode. last night I was just like doing some some diving into it and like I got like that giddy tingly sensation again that I got the first night that she came out with new music like the the concert night and I was just like holy shit this is like gonna fundamentally change my life (laughs) having new Jenna Newsom music like will shape my existence for the next decade or something and it's so exciting it's like a new year for Joanna Newsom fans. It really a new is. Decade. Yeah. <laughs> I like that that metaphor. Like it feels refreshing and it feels so exciting to get to dive into like what the fuck she's talking about. There's like snail references and like some submarine stuff that we're going to talk about obviously, but like holy yeah. shit. So, yeah. I'm really yes. wondering I in my own life, um, kind of divide the music I listen to by season. So I have like, oh. oh, like this artist is like the absolute best for fall or like, oh, you have to listen to this in the spring when it's pouring rain because I live in Vancouver. Um, but what, what, when? When is she going to release it? Which season will it be? Oh, my God. I hope it'll be January 1st. I don't know why. Like, just right away, I, yeah. as soon as possible. I hope yeah. it'll be June 23rd, which is tomorrow, as mm. of the time we mm-hmm. record this. Summer in our hemisphere. I wonder if she's going to announce it first and then release it, or, like, if she's just going to drop it and be like, you fuckers can't be trusted with, like, <laughs> date in- release date information. She's probably going to announce it, but, my God, I'll be peeing my pants for the whole duration of the time she makes this week training just like in her front (laughs) record store we should have like designated cry sessions every day so that like our (laughs) glands get used to producing that many tears (laughs) like (laughs) work ourselves up to release day one of the ways we need to prepare our bodies our minds our tear ducts (laughs) for (laughs) exactly oh lord (sighs) all right but we're not at new music yet although if you want to check out our bonus episode subscribe to our patreon linked in the show notes but we are on a pin light bent baby so we've already talked about this pretty extensively but it's been a few weeks for sam for me and sam um and so we might have some 
like just a few little follow-up thoughts on the verse that we've already covered, but hopefully you guys will bear with us for that. And then we just have the last verse and that's it. Um, and we also have a voice memo from Jack that I feel oh, like yeah. we've been teasing this entire episode, um, but only because uh, we wanted to save it for the end so that maybe you could listen alongside because um, I really liked listening to um, the song and then Jack's voice memo and then the song again and drawing all those connections, knitting them real close. So if you have um, 30 minutes <laughs> to do that, then please do. Yeah, so thank you so much, Jack. We wholeheartedly appreciate voice memos. And I'm so stoked that we got two for this song. We got one yes. from Lee's and one from Jack. So you guys are our hero podcast people hero podcast people uh so yeah thank you so much yes um if you ever want to send us things um if you don't have our um email address by now it is a hopeless endeavor at gmail.com some of my favorite podcasts have a phone line i wonder if we how can we oh should figure God. out how to do that so you can just call and leave us a voice memo. Like I Pot Psychology, which is my favorite podcast of all time, just has a voice memo or a phone line. And yeah. I've never been brave enough to call it <gasps> I get high and then I'm like not talking on the phone. But uh, we should look into that. We, we, might, we might get back to you guys with a phone line. Um, that would be cool. Especially when the new album comes out. That would be fun. Oh, my God. That would be fun. Reaction compilation. Okay. Let's make a note of this. Yeah. Online reaction. <laughs> reaction comp. They're just going to be screaming on the other end. <laughs> screaming and crying and screaming and crying. Okay. 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 So one thing that I wanted to touch on just before we move on to the last verse was the term Amora Obscura. Because I remember in our last recording session, we talked a lot about camera obscuras and we talked a lot about um, like the great light and what that might mean and like why we have to defend ourselves from it. We talked about selfhood and different uh, religious conceptions of selfhood and sort of the negation of selfhood. But I think that I still have some questions. I mean, yes, about the whole song, but particularly about amora obscura as a play on words for camera obscura Mm -hmm. and i feel like maybe we got a little bit caught up in the not caught up in a bad way because i think this is we needed to talk about it but like she's not saying camera obscura here she's saying Mm -hmm. amora obscura and so i wanted to ask what you thought sam about that like switch about like what is she saying with by saying amora obscura rather than camera obscura Thank you for asking, because <laughs> this is what I was stuck on last night. Oh. Like you read my mind. We didn't prepare for this. <clears throat> okay, so really what I did was just read the verse over and over and over again and try and make sense of where love comes in. And I think this is going to sound very cheesy, but this is my own projection of Amora Obscura. And that is that life is a projection of love. So my note here is the great light is life. So we talked about, so the verse was, 
From the great light that shines through a pinhole when the pin light calls itself selfhood and the selfhood inverts on a mirror in an amara obscura. And where I got with this last night was the great light is life. Um, so we have this great light that is existence and our own our own personal one personhood existence is this like tiny projection through a pinhole. And we call that selfhood, that we name, we have collectively and individually decided to name that teeny projection of this greater projection, selfhood. That's us. And then the next line is the selfhood inverts on a mirror. So I was comparing it to like how we take our tiny little selfhood and we reflect or we project it out to others and it gets projected back to us. So I was thinking about that as like our love for other people, our love for the community, this like collective identity, even though we're all just these little tiny little pinhole projections of existence. <laughs> it's a little contrived. Um, and the Amara Obscura comes in um, where we're like reflecting that light back at each other Mm. um i don't know it was just like a very sweet sweet sounding thing i don't put much weight in that but it made me feel warm and fuzzy yeah i love the idea that we can reflect light back to each other and that that itself is just like love um that's really cool i hadn't thought of that although i don't know what i thought about this line in particular, like in an Amora Obscura, because um, Obscura makes me think I don't actually know any Latin, shockingly. Um, I'm not Melissa Marciano here. <laughs> um, but I think that it might mean Obscura, right? Obscura um, meaning. So dim. Yeah, go. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I just looked up the definition on Google and it says like dim, dark, or obscure. Mm-hmm. Okay or shadowy and indistinct is mm-hmm. another one. Indistinct is really interesting because the pinhole makes things sort of falsely distinct, um, right? It like takes the great light and it distills it down to this like seemingly separate thing, the seemingly Yeah, I love that pinhole. seemingly separate because it really is just a projection of that great light. Exactly. And so I like the idea that like, because she says in an amor obscura. So in an, mm-hmm. like an obscured love or an indistinct love. Um, and what is happening in that indistinct love here? Hang on here. I got an ad that popped up. Okay. Uh, the selfhood inverts on on a mirror in an amor obscura. It's this, yeah, this obscured love. So like maybe maybe the great light also is love in a sense. Like this sense of community and like oneness and like you know, care for your fellow person because, like, they are just you mm-hmm. in in this um, uh, sort of obs- obscured way. And, yeah, I don't know. Maybe something to do with that. I love all of that. I love this idea of, like, obscurity and also just, like, this, like, poorly defined selfhood. And it also just makes me laugh, the idea that, like, Uh, if this is what she's talking about that we have this great light and we define ourselves or this great light exists and we define ourselves by 
like the projection of this light, which may or may not be true. Um, I think that aligns really nicely with like selfhood and self-identity that like you kind of, I don't know, pick and choose to foster the parts of yourself that that ring true to you, but it's really just like um, a random a random thing. Yeah, like what selfhood is, is like a very confusing concept apart from this song, right? Like identity is a really hard thing to pin down. Ha, pin. (laughs) Um, But like, yeah, I think that, yeah, what what selfhood means apart from anything else is just uh, very hard to answer, I think. Yeah, and how much much does it really exist anyway? Like how much is how much I'm sure you've thought a lot more about this but like how much does true individuality exist versus just like you know what percentage of our experiences are a collective or a collective experience right exactly um like do things need to be unique Aussie's legs on the camera behind you (laughs) um I also find the word obscura interesting beyond what we've said so far because like we're talking about literal light being reflected on a mirror which seems to like produce more light and like it just seems like a very lit up situation but she's invoking the like dim and dark imagery here and so it's a cool contrast between like it's almost like I get the vibe that like we're we get the opposite of what is really there we find a way to obscure love even in the face of all this light that like should be shining a spotlight on the fact that we're a great light together that we're more one than we had assumed but instead we figure out a way to obscure that yeah way, and cool that it's obscured through this idea of selfhood it's obscured through individuality and like we feel that so strongly and maybe that it takes away from that oneness that greater that greater togetherness that collective which I think is very on theme with the rest of this album. Yeah. I'm also just looking at definitions of obscura, which are first and foremost tied to camera. Is I, I'm also like kicking myself every time I pronounce it. Obscura? Obscura? Dude, obscura sounds wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. I think I've went with obscura because it sounds like she sings yes. it that way to me yeah, but like me also she's singing so like yeah. i don't know <laughs> yeah um but one of the synonyms listed on this random website is chamber mm. and then a related word is obscurant making which is which means to make undecipherable or imperceptible and the uh example is obliterating mists an Ooh. obscurant bank of clouds which makes me think of the album art oh yeah totally okay so there's some amor obscura there's some selfhood there's some great light should we go on to lending and borrowing practices sure Sure. okay cool um okay i will read this last verse if that is okay with you Mm -hmm. she sings but it's mine or at least it's lent, and my life until the time is spent is a pin light bent, it's a pin light bent. So this is a tiny little mini verse that we've left to the end here. It's it very is small. a tiny little mini verse. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that it's a pretty straightforward one too. I feel like it's kind of our our narrator um, coming to turn, coming to terms with whatever else was going on in the album. Like to me, it's very much like a shrug, but it's mine. Like if this is all we've got, this is what it is. We have this teeny tiny pin light of perception that we call selfhood and we love each other and um, it's not even really mine because I'm living on borrowed time so do what you can yeah like I'm not sure yeah I agree with you I get the very like I get I got a shrug a shrug vibe I get like a what you gonna do about like what what are we gonna do about all this like um other than to just live and like like even if it is true that there's this great light and that we're all under this mass delusion that we have these individual existences this verse gives me like okay but given that and given that we have this experience of oneness and we like think that we're individual like we have to go with that at least to some extent right like what would it mean to live a life where you just forget about your individual selfhood like that seems really really difficult um at least I think that's what our narrator is conveying here and so there's I love the tension too of just like ownership in the face of denial of selfhood like that Mm -hmm. tension is so interesting to me but it's mine. I also love, like, it seems very um, defiant almost. She's decl- she's staking her claim to something in the face of the erasing of selfhood entirely. Like, yeah, that's really cool. It is cool. I think it's both. I think it's all of those things at once. It's like a claiming of, it's like a holding on to the crumbs that we get, but also recognizing that, like, it's impermanent and impossible to hold on to and also doesn't really (laughs) exist in this like really contrived way yeah like a a, uh stubbornly like peaceful thing to say you're coming to peace with it in some way and like that she is finding some solace in the the claiming of it it's mine yeah i don't know i think that it's somewhat important here that it's she's not like what to do in the face of this you know existentially upheaving realization that the great light is behind us all um especially if we're in the context of someone plummeting to their death like she's like it's it's mine this has all been mine this is a great reminder because I have not been thinking about the context of the rest of this song. I have been thinking about this great light. Okay, so is this then um, like our narrator, flight attendant, coming to terms as they're, you know, probably getting closer to death, closer to the earth? Yeah, I want to say yes, but I also have this, I struggle a little bit with how it would help to come to term like how it would help console our narrator to say like okay but this is mine as it's about to be like ripped from her like it feels like if she just ended on the the great light vibe that that that's more consoling to me at least is that like okay look 
like maybe it doesn't all end here and like I'm not special and unique like there's this like bigger life force that is that has meaning or value or whatever uh but then I think of our poor flight attendant like I like how she died at work and she's a woman and like she's not named and all that stuff like then in in that respect I'm like okay look there's there's where the solace is it's like in I don't know I think that she gets an opportunity to kind of come to this um very like peaceful place by the end of the song so she gets a, an incredibly rare perspective right so she her her life changes instantly her life comes and goes she's asleep on the plane maybe and then all of a sudden the skies over the ocean the <laughs> ocean skirting the city she's like contemplating all of these like all of these really big ideas and like comparing her own experiences she's talking about common sense and the common fence like she's having these really big like existential thoughts and i think she's like finding her 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 peace in that she's finding some space for herself yeah and at the end i feel i don't know we've said this a zillion times but like anytime something's repeated um we like to bring extra attention to it so if our last lines of the song are and my life until time is spent is a pin light bent it's a pin light bent that it doesn't seem like an awful way to end the song no like i feel like if we are framing this as her experience with death and then probably life again because we're moving into um time is a symptom yeah that recognizing all of these things in that very short time she has as she falls is not necessarily a happy ending but it's like a it's a conclusion like it's it's coming to peace with and like it also seems like maybe a joke like if we're saying if if I'm thinking about this as like she's falling and she's thinking, well, this is my life. Just kidding. It's Lent. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's about to get just ripped away from me. Yeah. Like this, yeah. like the amount of time that she's, that she has left is so small. Just so, so to think of it as, as Lent time is really just kind of silly. Yeah. I uh, I like all of that, uh, what you said. Um, I am obsessed with the idea that our time or our lives or our bodies are, are Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say more on that in just a second. But when you said it's kind of a joke for some reason, the only thing that occurred to me, like before you told uh, me what the the joke you had in mind was, I was like, oh my God, the bent part. And this is so fucking morbid and horrible. But like, I was like, oh my God, she's falling to her death and like we're getting the word bent. Like it makes me think of like the position of her body as she hits or like after she's hit the earth or whatever. Like when she, in the poem, she's left for the farmers to find her. Yeah. Uh, Very dark. Uh, Very dark, but very literal too. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like her her pen light is likely misshapen. It's 
hairpin lighting. <laughs> 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 it sure is. <laughs> um, okay, and on the Lent part, I think this is so cool, and this might get me started on a little bit of a tangent, but uh, the idea of us borrowing life in some respect, she so beautifully talks about in anecdotes. So she says, and inasmuch as this light is loaned, in so far as we borrow bones. And I've said this like a thousand times before, but I am obsessed with the ways in which these songs throughout the album speak to each other. And because of the like really tenacious and thorough work of Melissa Martirano and I believe Rachel Parent too um, collaborated uh, collaborated on the Chiasmus series on Blessing All the Birds but because of uh, their work on drawing these connections I think we've focused very much on how the songs are chiastically linked so the first and the last one the second song on the album and the second to last one but I don't like I, I so I hadn't really thought about the ways in which a pin light bent might be connected to anecdotes because they fall in different um, places structurally. But I once I made that connection between the light is loaned, borrowed bones, and here um, life being lent, then I started to see a bunch more similarities in anecdotes. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I want to. I want to know what people think about this. I love that. I'm looking at the lyrics and in the next verse, it's, I was only just born into open air. And I love that. That's like an enlightenment. And like into open air. Exactly. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But it makes me think of her thought process as she's falling and like what a gift it is to be able to come to terms with what's happening while it's happening. Yeah. And I mean, she doesn't really have a choice. There is no, no. more time. But... No. And in each of these songs, we have that downward movement of like the birds mm-hmm. diving into the, the souls on the body, on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, or sorry, the birds diving into the bodies on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the falling of our flight attendant. Um, mm-hmm. We have like... Yeah. Rushing, tearing, speeding home, bound to a wheel that is not my own. <laughs> there you go. Not her own. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like this greater force. Um, also All like along the road, the lights stream by. It's like yeah, the, the light. Little Lots beehive of light. houses too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Little beehive houses and light. Mm-hmm. It, even the signal from we signal Private Portwell when the morning starts to loom. Pull up from your dive, like till we hear the telltale boom. Um, yeah, it just makes me think of like a, a command you might give to a pilot piloting an aircraft, right? Like pull up and it's a plane and a pin light bent. Yeah. I don't know. Like a shard of mirror in the moon. Yeah, that could be her. And it, there's a mirror in a pin light bent. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, so all sorts of shit. So in as much as that light is loaned insofar as we've borrowed bones, must every debt now be repaid in star-spotted sickle-winged night raids as we sing to the garden, motherfucker, the garden. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There just seems to be a lot of themes that these two, sh- two songs share that I just hadn't seen before last night. I would love to do the put everything up on the wall and like, <laughs> organize with colored highlighters or something, pieces of string. 
tie physical connections between all of these things. I would love that too. That kind of thing makes me happy. Um, okay. So I think that's all I had between, I mean, for the last verse really, and then also on connections between anecdotes and a pin light bent. Um, okay. Let's take a look then at our handy dandy list. When you say that, do you think of Blue's Clues? Oh, because we're really smart. I don't. Our handy dandy notebook. Yeah. I just have a song. We are looking for Blue's Clues. Yeah. <laughs> Use that device. Okay, so let's take a look at our list. I think we could probably add, so we have at the top of our list right now, and I'm sure I shared this on Facebook at some point, but I can share it again. We have our main themes. So the main themes we have here are cycles, forces, relationships, and power. I'm going to add love and mm. oneness to that. Mm. I almost want to take like power and relationships out of there, but it must have been from another episode yeah. that we felt that was important. I don't remember when power comes into play, but relationships, I do remember because at some, in some interview somewhere, she said something like each song is a love song or something. I think that's also on the list. And so it can be relationships, not just, you know, the like romantic traditional relationship, but maybe relationships more broadly speaking. But this song actually, I think might be the hardest for me to come to terms with how it might be a love song or a relationship mm. song other than with one's relationship to oneself, like, uh, and maybe like our relationship more broadly speaking to the people around us. Right. And so it's a love song in the sense that, uh, if you recognize that we're all just part of one great light, then it's uh, that changes your relationship fundamentally to the people around you, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yep, I love that, and I just love the idea that um, that like recognition of living on borrowed time and coming to terms with that, and and kind of leaving that peacefully, I think, is a kind of love, maybe. Mm-hmm. One of our first questions on this list is, what battle is being fought? The battle between life and death, the battle between oneness and selfhood, Mm -hmm. the battle between time, the battle against time, Uh against gravity. Oh, it is against gravity, though. Okay. Um, I have capital T time and lowercase time, how each of our narrators experience time. I think we only have one narrator in this song. Um, but it's an interesting perception of time that they have, right? Because it's moving very quickly, but it's also incredibly slow. Mm-hmm. It's like this slowed down perception of a really fast moving time in reality. Yes. This, that reminds me of a line in Little Hand that... I mean, obviously, we're going to get to it, but uh, like, cause, sorry, because Sam and I are recording a bonus, bonus episode on it right away, but it says something like, we'll arrive, it will be fast, but it'll feel slow or something like that. And so there's this juxtaposition of like your experience of time versus how it actually passes for you. But anyways, mm. we'll get to that when we get to it. The next point was like life, death, resurrection, the natural life cycle. Yep. I think we touched on all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, falls and diving. We've talked extensively <laughs> about that in this episode. We've got that covered, uh-huh. 
man-made structures and borders. I mean, I think the clearest border here is between life and death or between like the great light and the projection of that light through the pinhole. I think so too. And I also think this like, it, just in terms of imagery and um, maybe this like a continuing metaphor throughout the album, there is this like division still between like land and sky. Like mm -hmm. when we're in the sky, it's yep. this one experience. And when we get to land, it's this hard hitting, literally yep. speaking, other experience. And so there's still this like sharp cutoff kind of. Yep, and we do have this division of like the natural world and things that are man-made, right? As she yeah. is falling um, and she gets to see what I'm going to keep calling the beehive houses, but then also the garden, which is yeah. waking to meet her, and the sky over the ocean, the ocean over the city. Totally. Yeah, I love that, actually. There, there are these like borders, I guess, between exactly natural and... And man-made, and even, I don't think we've talked about this very much yet, but I wonder how much to, maybe none at all, very open to the idea that this is totally wrong, but uh, it just occurred to me that, like, because we have John Perry Mitchell falling from the sky in Sabo Konakin, and we have um, 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 our flight attendant falling from the sky mm -hmm. in this song, that I wonder how much of it is a commentary that, like, but planes are totally unnatural. Like we're trying to force ourselves to do these very unnatural things and then we end up falling from the fucking sky. Yeah, just like the missing submarine that went to the Titanic. What an unnatural experience. What an yeah. unnatural tin can to ride. How is this a love song? Do we touch on that? I think we touched on that. I think that. so. We have notes about intention and memory. What is remembered is not always intentional. There's different ways of remembering. Um, I think we could think about that in terms of like what our narrator remembers, but also what is remembered about her. Yeah. And it also makes me think of the poem that we talked about um, in one of falling. the first episodes, Falling, and how that how our narrator is perceived through the lens of that poem like yeah. um there was a lot of talk about her body and what she was wearing and like this like um heavily sexual aspect of her being versus um her own experience which was probably not related to any of those things yeah totally and we talked about to um Melissa Marchiana's post on blessing all the birds about uh like Joanna's own not naming the flight attendant that she's talking about. And yeah. then we talked about, I think it was two Argentinian flight attendants who had the same fate that were written about in that same article that is re being referenced probably by Joanna, definitely by um, the author of the poem Falling, Dickie, I think is his name. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think we, I think we get those Sapoconikini themes there about who is remembered. Um, oh, hold on. Okay. So one of the notes here is, um, blessing all the birds. Anecdotes describes descent from up above to the earth. Anecdotes describe descent from up above to the earth with time as a symptom as the mirror image, sky to earth. I'm not sure which article that was from. Do you remember that? Anecdotes I remember that vaguely. My guess is that it would be from one of the chiasmus mm -hmm. articles, probably comparing anecdotes with time as a symptom. Time as a symptom, we have yeah movement from the ground up, and anecdotes from the the up down. 
from yeah. the up. <laughs> but that that described as a mirror image, I really like too. Oh yeah, a That's mirror really image. Cool. Yeah, that is really cool. What kind of movement is happening? How can we classify that movement? Yep, we might. Yeah, we've talked about that. But then also, how might typical gender roles play into this movement? Mm-hmm. I don't know about the movement itself. Well, maybe. I don't know. But we, d- we talked about, like, the flight attendant and, like, the fact mm-hmm. that she was working and her job was to, like, care for other people when we compared mm-hmm. that with John Perry Mitchell's, like, going out and exploring and, like, flying his own plane, not working for anybody, you know, yeah. that the contrast between those two types of experiences. Um even though they're mirrored in a way. Yeah. Um, And then the last few notes are like, dichotomies opposing forces, which binaries are working together or pulling apart. Um, They probably talked a lot about this. Yeah. I think that was a lot of our discussion, yeah. A life and death. We have like the oneness and individuality. Yeah ownership and giving up mm-hmm. and then songs as seasons we had leaving the city as spring maybe sapiconigan is winter maybe anecdotes is winter too i don't know what season this song would be i get a little fall vibes from i don't know why well fall? of falling <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i don't know i don't get like strong seasonality here but Mm-hmm. Let's say fall because of falling. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Is is that the end of <laughs> a pin light bend? I think that's the end of a pin light bend. Well, not actually because we have the incredible Jack with a yeah. uh, really cool analysis of the the musicality of the song, mm-hmm. which uh, Sam and I have said many times we are very ill-equipped to talk about. So yes. we're going to leave it to Jack. Again, Jack, thank you so much. We really, truly appreciate you. Um, Should we say our goodbyes now? Yeah. Okay. Jack, thank you so much. Um, If you are a person who knows lots of things about music, please share it with us. We'd love to include it. Um, If you want to send us non-musical thoughts, we would also love that. You can send us a DM on Instagram because our Instagram is a hopeless endeavor podcast. Um, You can also email us. Uh, We really love to receive emails, are absolutely giddy when there's something in that inbox. Um, And our email is a hopelessendeavor at gmail.com. Nikki runs our Patreon and does a beautiful job editing all of these episodes. Um, And she can tell you about that. Well, the Patreon is patreon.com slash a hopeless endeavor. There you can find early episode releases and some bonus episodes. Uh, As we've said several times throughout this podcast, throughout this episode um we're recording right away on little hand so if you want to continue our very tentative initial impressions series on patreon about the new music you can join us there but also we have bonus episodes that are not at all about the new music and just about some some listener submission stuff so yeah check it out there we have a maybe said an email hopelessendeavor at gmail.com we have a facebook group um is that everything? I hope it's Endeavor, a Joanna Newsome podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have lots of people in there now, so thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. All right, that will do it for a pit light bent. At least this go around. Let's cycle through the entire thing again. Okay, bye, yeah. everybody. We'll see you next week with Time as a Symptom. We love you. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye.
Hello, um, it's me again. <laughs> I want to talk today a little bit about A Pin Like Bent, some, some of the musical stuff that's going on in that song. Um, I think this is a really interesting song um, in sort of Joanna's work. It's sort of, I, I feel like it's quite unique actually. A large part of that is because of this kind of, um, I guess the first thing I'll talk about is kind of, there's kind of a drone going on throughout the song, sort of, it's kind of like a two note sort of thing that goes on. So obviously um, the one you hear at first and sort of the main one of the song is this, which is those notes are A and C, um, which sort of, becomes an A minor chord with the introduction of those bass notes. So you start on A minor and then it goes down to F major, which and those those two notes also fit into F major, so you have that's an A minor chord and F major. So it's like my life comes and down to this note, which is D. Um, and these two notes can also fit into a D chord because you have A, which is the fifth of the D chord, and this C here is a seventh, and those that's a pretty common chord. So you have sort of, um, in this song, it's a, it's a major, Dominant seventh chord. I, th I think that's right. Um, let me play for a bit more of that. So, my life comes and goes. Short flight, free roads. I lie down and that's the verses, those are all the chords in the verse, verses, and then in the chorus it sort of changes up a bit, so, so it goes from the minor to the major, so you, so you have the A major, and they're switching between A major and F major, which we've had before, and what's really cool about this part is, um, and you'll notice if you've um, seen any videos of Joanna playing this live is that she saw the left hand, which is playing the bass notes, sort of leaps over. And so basically what, what's going on in the chorus is that you're having this kind of ascending chord. So moving upwards, ascending chord. So you have, so I'll play a bit of it. have A major and then on F major it goes back, it goes back to that initial thing. And these chords going up, so when it's in, so when it's A major you've got G major and A major and that's just go, goes up and then in the F major 
This is actually, this will be called F major 7, if you're interested. Um, it's a similar, similar thing, but instead of... Um, sort of um we, we call that the third in the chord so you have so it's going from like the the major third in the chord to the minor third which is cool and then so then you do that a bit and then it goes back to the verse there's another verse and then there's a sort of i mean i guess you could kind of call it a middle eight i don't i don't know if that's correct but that there, there's a different section where it changes again and so so that's a G and a C because um, the chord changes to C. And that's the first time we hear that chord in the song. And so... So it's doing that. So that's C, C major and F major. And then there's sort of some more cool hand swapping over parts, which I'll... Let, let's, let's see if I can play it right. So what's going on there is that that's just some nice sort of stuff in C major. And then you have more of those sort of ascending chords, but this time it's sort of going um, similar to the chorus, but instead of just sort of block chords, it's doing, it's arpeggiating, so it's arpeggios. It's very nice and then it goes back to that d dominant seventh chord that we hear in the verse so it goes and then it goes into the next bit which is sort of the kind of the intense part so and this is the point in the song where the drone kind of stops. So it's been going and going and going for the whole song up to this point. And then it stops and it's very dramatic, obviously. Um, and what happens here is this kind of, I'll try and play a bit. I can't sing, well, I would struggle to sing that high, unfortunately. Well, I, I could do an octave down. Uh, let's go from... From the great light that shines through a pinhole, when the pin light calls itself selfhood. So, so what's happening here is is, is similar to the first sort of. I'm, I'm calling it the chorus, even though um, uh, the the lyrics don't repeat, but the sort of the chords repeat, so I'm, so I'm calling that the chorus section. So you've got this kind of quite funky thing going on in the bass, and then these kind of um, things, I don't know what to call that, but it's a kind of, it's like a roll up, so like... 
So, and that's doing like A major, G major, A major, G major, A major, and so on, and keeps going up. And then obviously, when the bass, when the bass notes go to F, goes to the sort of minor variation of that, that also fits into F major. Um, and so it does that, and it kind of reaches a point, reaches sort of the top with that high note. song so the material there is the same as the verses and so that's kind of um that's sort of a rundown of the of the whole song I suppose and something I do actually want to draw attention to right here at the at the end is that um something quite cool is that obviously the um the sort of famous um loop that Joanna has between time as a symptom back to anecdotes which is amazing. Um, and it was so brilliant to sort of hear her perform that in the in the, the most recent live shows that she did back in 2019. It was amazing to actually hear her play those two songs um, in succession. It was great to hear that. But there are actually quite a few of those kind of links um, harmonically in terms of course throughout the album. And so, and one of my favourites is actually be- between a pin by Ben and Time is a symptom, so the end of Pin Light Bent goes like this. So you have F major, that's the key chord. It's a pin Time passed hard, and the task was the hardest thing she'd ever do. So, and then you have the beginning of time as a symptom there, and that is the correct, those are the correct chords that I'm playing. So a pin like Ben ends on that F major, and then time as a symptom picks up and starts on that same F major, and then does this stuff. Also, time as a symptom is, is entirely built from three chords, which I think is extraordinary because of how epic that song is. And I think... Um, Obviously, like the, the complexity of what Joanna does with her music is obviously very amazing, but she also really knows how to do things that are very simple and very effective. Um, and she gets a lot out of these three chords, as you, as you can obviously hear when you listen to the song. And as far as I'm aware, that was intentional on her part in the album to make all the songs or, or many of the songs have these kind of links between them in terms of the music. For me, that's one of the things that that makes Divers such an amazing sort of cohesive listen, 
in the in a way that um, I think her her previous albums sort of aren't in the same way. Like have have one on me. Um, I mean, I, I I love have one on me. Like the divers and have one on me are, are my favorites. I sort of can't choose between them, but they're both my favorites. Um, but have one on me is very sort of sprawling and huge. Like obviously, it's a very long album. And um, Divers in a way seems to be sort of the opposite of that, where it's very concise and very sort of tightly knit. And there are sort of all these tensions, as as you've both discussed before, the sort of these sort of opposition, sort of oppositions and tensions really sort of um, give the album a lot of structural integrity. They sort of pull it very tight. And I think that's just a testament to her, to Joanna's... Um, remarkable compositional ability like it's really um it's really staggering when you sort of look into not only what she's doing with the lyrics which is you know what, what you both are doing such a great job of uncovering all those things um not only that in the lyrics but also in the music there's sort of um on divers especially there's a lot of layering going on and a lot of sort of um a lot of interweaving going on and i think that's really fun and so I, th I think with that, I've reached the end. Um, yeah, I hope, I hope this was um, an enjoyable and interesting listen. And, th and thank you for listening, <laughs> if you have. Um, yeah, I'll sign off here. Thank you.